to the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 13. Now, starting this Wednesday night, I guess you'd call that an introduction to the parables Wednesday night. We talked about what parables are. Uh, hold your place at Matthew 13 and look at Matthew, Mark 4. We need to know a little something about parables because... Now this is where Matthew 13, where it begins... This is where it is in Mark. Then in chapter 8 of Luke, it's there. So that's your harmony of the Gospels. But here he says in verse 33 of chapter 4 of Mark, And with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. So, Christ used lots and lots of parables. And those parables weren't designed to teach the world. Matter of fact, they were designed to teach his, his disciples. And the rest of them to not understand what he's saying. <coughs> Which lets you know. The Bible is not written to the world. Many people want you to try to make it for the world. But you can't do that and rightly divide the word of truth. You have to see who's speaking. You have to see who's being spoken to. And then you have to see what's being spoken about. So there's really very little of the Bible that is directly addressed to the world at large. It's mainly addressed to his people, whether it's the Jews in the Old Testament or the Jews and Gentiles in the New Testament, and especially to his churches. And so uh, we're talking about that. You're reading Mark or Matthew this morning. He began to call out his apostles <coughs> on the shores of Galilee. And for three to three and a half years, that was the ministry of Jesus. He didn't like, he wasn't here very long. You think three and a half years, and you got to get everything done that you're going to do? Think about that. How much have you gotten done for the Lord, and how long have you had to do it? I have had a long time. Have I gotten it all done? No. But our Lord got it all done in three and a half years. But what he did, there was a word from the Greek. Jesus had a peripatetic school. Anybody know what I'm saying? Well, that's a compound word from the Greek. Peri, P-E-R-I. Well, you military, you know what perimeter is. Walking around. He had a peri. Patetic. The Greek word pateo. We hear the pitter-patter of little feet. That's what it's talking about. Walking. So walking around school, that's what Jesus had. And Brother Brown always said you got to have three things to have a school. You got to have a teacher, you got to have a student, and you got to have a log. And that log's to sit on. You don't need multi million dollar buildings to have a school. We've been fed a bill of goods in the last couple of hundred years you can drive through the universities and 
all that. And you see all the buildings and stuff, and they just keep on, keep on, keep on, and then beg for money all the time. I don't understand it. Anyway, Jesus had a wonderful school, and he was teaching the members of his church. So, now Matthew 4, you read Matthew 4, you'll get into chapter 5, 5, 6, and 7. Those chapters are the Sermon on the Mount. To whom are they addressed? His church, his assembly. The things contained, especially in the first part of Matthew 5, well, lost people can't do that. Blessed are all the blessings. Lost people don't have the capability of that. Only God's people do. Well, all right, so that's about parables. The Greek word, compound word, parabolo, parable. Para alongside, balo, throw. That's where we get the word for ball. Balo in the Greek, I throw. So a parable is an account or a story that goes alongside a spiritual truth. But the the, the parabolic story is something that everybody is... is, uh, Familiar with. All right, so here we go. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Well, I don't know how many people there were there, but there was a bunch. A multitude is a bunch. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold. A sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls, those are birds, came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth, and when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, now that you know that he had the multitudes there, and yet he spoke these parables, not so everybody could understand, but only for his disciples to understand now you understand when he said he who hath ears to hear let him hear the only ones that have ears to hear are those who have been given ears with which to hear all right so we have a sower all right now but the disciples came verse 10 and said to them why speakest thou unto them in parables he answered and said unto them because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Well, John 5, he says, they shall all be taught of God. That's Old Testament quote. Ultimately, if you learn anything from God, it's God that teaches you. He uses human instrumentality. That's why there's something for us to do. But it's not my words or Brother Tim or anybody else's word, it's the word of God. And the Lord, when he teaches you, you get well taught. All right, so then he says, Therefore speak out of them in parables, because they, verse 13, seeing, see not. They see physically, but they don't see spiritually. And hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. So they see physically, but they don't understand. They don't see spiritually. They they hear physically, but they don't hear spiritually. They know what they're hearing, but they don't understand it. 
but not spiritually. They have no spiritual understanding. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Esaias. If you read that in the Greek, that's the way you'd say it. Esaias. Isaiah is the English word there. Uh, so that, that's just a transliterated Greek word, Greek name. It means it brought right straight out of the Greek into the English. And which uh, Isaiah, which saith, by hearing you shall hear and shall not understand. Now that shouldn't be such a mystery right now. Uh, and seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes they have closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and ear, hear with their ears and should understand with their heart, should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see these, those things which you see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear, and have not heard them. So now he says, hear you therefore the parable of the sower. Now he's going to give us the interpretation of that parable. Now, this is one of the more simple ones. Although I told Brother Derek, uh, Benjamin Keach, in his big book on the parables, he's got 48 pages on the parable of the sower. Uh, these old-timers wrote, buddy. Anyway, verse 19, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom. Well, now what did he say over here when he delivered it? He said, uh, the kingdom uh, where a sower went forth to sow. Uh, but now he says the kingdom uh, in verse yeah, 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understand the not. Well now, he said, well what's kingdom mean? And that's what I wanted to get to on this. Well, think of what he's saying. A sower, he's talking about a farmer. Lester, you understand this. You and your wife, you, you all are green thumbers. You know, it's, you, you know what is seeds and germination and Isaac knows all that, you know. People that deal with that understand that. Some of us don't. Uh, a lot of people don't know where milk comes from. They don't know where their hamburgers come from. So I don't, I don't kill my animals. I go to the store and get my stuff. <laughs> you let somebody else kill them. But in, anyway, a lot of people don't understand farm talk. But that's what that is, is farm talk. All right, so he said the word of the kingdom. Well, there are lots of people, uh, cults and everything else, that try to make something really mysterious out of kingdom. The kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. They make something weird way, way out. Well, it can't be. A sower... Went forth to sow. Now, where would you sow? You would have to sow on this earth, wouldn't you? You'd have to sow where, where you close to where you live, because you're going to have to tend to what comes up. So you're talking about literal, physical earth. So now he says, "The kingdom, the word of the kingdom." So. This is the word from the kingdom of God. Word of the kingdom of God. All right. Nothing mysterious. It's something completely realistic right here. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not. <coughs> so who does that? People that don't have an ear to hear spiritually. People that don't have an eye to see spiritually. People that don't have a heart with which to perceive spiritually. So, hearing the word of the kingdom. You were doing this last year, brother. Going uh, Jackson Park. Where else to go? Anyway, going out, called a street preaching. Well, it used to be done by a lot of people. When I was starting Lexington Baptist College, we did some street preaching. Oh, Old-timers did street preaching. Some of the old-timers, I can think of their names now, 
I went down on Main and Lime and preached. I don't do that anymore, I don't think. But uh, anyway, that's what, the, that's what the apostles did early on. Street preaching. Going where people are and preaching. Well, now he said, if, when you hear the word of the kingdom and don't understand it, uh, I don't really understand all of this. But over there, he said, when he introduced it, he said, the birds, the fowls of the air come and snatch the seed away. Well, the word is the seed. And that's the good seed. And that's, that's what the sower sows. But he says, now, actually then cometh the wicked one. Well, who's the wicked one? A couple weeks ago, I gave you a list of all the names of Satan. And that's one of them, the wicked one. Well, that's Satan who, who's being specific there. Now, the Satan, could you say the fowls of the air can be satanic? Well, certainly. And we'll see that in another, the parable of the mustard seed. And that tree grew and the birds of the air came and lodged in it. <coughs> so now, but he specifies here, it's the wicked one that's behind all of that. Well, you see, the word of God is dangerous. That's why people want to squelch it. Facebook wants to squelch it. Churches want to squelch it. They don't want that word laying around. Back in the book of Amos, the king's priest told Amos, Amos is preaching the word of the kingdom. He's preaching God's word. He says, you get this word away from here. This is the king's chapel. Now we're talking about the religious folk. Well, if you understand, this is not a government church. This is not. Many churches are government churches. Churches that are incorporated. They are they are, strictly speaking, government churches because they're incorporated under a completely different set of, of laws than we are. You know what set of laws this church is, is under? Number one, of the Bill of Rights. Congress shall make no law with respect to the establishment of religion and the free exercise thereof. And we are not incorporated. We don't have to file corporation returns, which churches that are do, and they have a complete different set of laws. Anybody knows anything about the law? You incorporate, you come under a different set of laws. Actually, nobody owns a corporation. Everybody works for that corporation. The government owns it. That's what all that is. I'm not a lawyer, but I do know what I'm talking about. I have studied this through the years, and that's why over my dead body would we ever incorporate Richmond Road Baptist Church. We are not a business. We are a church. Jesus Christ is our head. The Holy Spirit is our administrator, and the Word of God is our rule set of laws. Do we have, do we have a set of bylaws? We actually don't. Here's our bylaws right here. What the word says, that's what we are controlled by. Even churches that have a real set of bylaws, they'll go by those bylaws far more than they will by the word of God. I know what I'm talking about because they're proud of what they've done. We can't make laws to govern God's service. Only God can. And he has done it. We've got it. It's been here. We've, and we'll, we'll not have anything else. Now, that just kind of, by the way. So, Satan does not like the word of the, 
people talk about when you get away from a, a big concert or something, you can still hear it in the walls and all that. Well, when the word's preached, it's still around. You know, it's still around. Uh, they've, they've left it a long time ago. But I remember when I was a kid, I used to, I, right across the road where that boony dog is over there. I've been to tent meetings over there. There wasn't a church here. There wasn't anything there. But Brother Walker put up tents out there. I've heard old Sherman Wood preach over there in that tent. Be so many people in their cars. We're talking about back in the late 40s and early 50s. They'd have to put loudspeakers out on. You couldn't get under the tent. We'd sit in their cars, sitting up on top of the cars. Listen to those old timers preaching the word. And boy, did they preach. They preached the judgment of God. They preached hell. They preached the word of God. I can still hear it. Satan doesn't like that. He doesn't want our children to be raised up with the knowledge of the word of God. Anyway, so he says now, so he catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. Somebody said a long time ago, this parable, you got four different kinds of ground. You got half-hearted, stony-hearted, thorny-hearted, and whole-hearted. So he said, but he that received the seed into stony places. Now, Brother Lester, you don't, you don't want to plant any seed on top of a rock. If you do your work, you, you dig the rocks out. Now, old-timers, old-time farmers, my old grandpa, my mother used to talk about how Clark County all up past trap and that way, by that way. Old hillside farm in Clark County wasn't worth much to anybody. He'd get over there and he'd take, got a mule and a plow and a cross-cut saw and then finally get some dynamite trying to clear, trying to clear his land out. One old man by himself trying to clear land, get those stumps out, get those rocks out, come in hands all bloody and everything trying to, but he did it. And he raised a crop, support his family, because he worked his butt off from daylight to dark. When he died, he didn't owe any man anything. Now you got people wanting him to get up off their butt and go to work. I just, it's, it's wrong, it's wrong. That we tolerate that. But anyway, clearing out land is a big problem in Brazil. I've been there and uh, they got granite rock. They don't even have anything to clear that land out. It'd take a crawler tractor with those big hooks on the back to clear that land out. They don't have anything like that. And they can't get money to farm. You know how they plant the corn? Between the rocks. Hard job clearing off land. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word and ain't on, that's quickly, with joy receive it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but deareth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word by and by, he is offended. So you see people that they real happy receive the word and then watch them. A couple weeks, and they, now they're settling down. Next thing you know, they stop coming. Next thing you know, they're out. Well, what's happened? They real happy and went home. Well, I've been saved. You don't bring that stuff around here. They wasn't planning on that. They thought everybody was going to be happy with them. So they, but they didn't have any depth. It didn't really take root. The word didn't. Well, trials, tribulation, persecution. Now, I know people get sick with the flu, with the Fauci flu, Wuhan flu, China flu, or as President Trump said, 
China. Why do you call it that? Because it came from China. And that's where it came. In a, in a biological warfare laboratory. Financed by the American taxpayers. Now there's a reason I get so upset with that thing. And then they put it on the world. But anyway. I understand that. And you get sick. But we've always said if you're sick. Fever, sneezing, stay home. We have our hand washer. We haven't done the mask. If you ain't sneezing, ain't got a fever, then no problem. Anyway, I understand things happen. But there's some people that are taking this Wuhan Fauci flu and backed off from church altogether. There's something wrong. I can't back off from the Lord's church. If it kills me, I can't back off from the Lord's church. It's killed many, 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 many people. But I think the word is taking root. Anyway, then he says, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitful riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. I think those are people that they hear the words of, yeah, boy, I'm saved. Yeah, boy, I'm saved. But now, and I understand work does cause problem, but you don't let work completely take you away from the Lord's church. Amen? Amen. You work around it. Everybody's got to work, and I appreciate that. But you don't let it say, well, I've got to take care of work, so I can't come to church. Or, I understand gasoline is high. But, when you go every place else and you tell me you can't afford to come to church, there's something wrong, bad, big time. We who join the church, do we not agree to the church covenant? Amen. And the church covenant says we will support the services and the work of our church. If I have to give up going to a doctor... So I can come to church. I'll do that. If I have to give up going twice to the grocery store. And only go once. So I can come to church. I'll do that. So the word is the same. We'll get to that in a minute. He that received seed among the thorns. He heard the word. But the care of this world. The deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. So, so far, all of this seed that this sower has sown hadn't really accomplished anything permanent. It's had the appearance of something, but it hadn't really accomplished anything permanent. But he that receives seed unto the good ground is he that <coughs> heareth the word. And also bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And that's more than doubling it at the hundredfold. That's two hundred. One hundred becomes two hundred. Sixty becomes a hundred and twenty, and so thirty becomes sixty. Bears good fruit. Now, what is the fruit? I've heard preachers say the only fruit that you can bear is another Christian. Yeah, but I don't have the ability to do that. The fruit that we bear is fruit that we are servants of God. Amen. And we're doing His will. That's the fruit that we bear. Now, the sower. Well, he says a sower went forth. Ah. Uh, 
probably the definite article is there in the original. Uh, I don't think he put it in. No, it didn't, didn't have it in italics. But here's the thing about the sower. Is that the sower is unidentified. That's a big point. My, my opinion, that's a big point. We do not know who this sower. Now the next parable, we know who the sower is. It's the Lord. But that's a different parable. Different lesson. In this parable, we, are, we have an unidentified sower. Well then, so you're saying, we don't know who did it, who sold no, we don't. And do you know how much difference that makes? Zero. It's totally irrelevant. Doesn't matter that we don't know who the sower is. I had one preacher got mad at me for saying that. We talk about the Lord as the sower. You're in the wrong parable. In this parable, we don't know who the sower is. Doesn't say. Well, the sower doesn't make the seed. Now we need to make sure we're sowing good seed. That is our responsibility. If you're a preacher, if you're a teacher, a church member. It's all of our responsibility to sow. And we must sow good seed. Well, we don't create the seed. Only God creates the seed. And that's his word. Well, uh, we also don't choose where it goes. Now I don't know how these sowers did it. Broadcast. Isn't that how you do it? Old timey way? Broadcast it. Isn't that what they call it? Broadcast it. Well, when you're broadcasting, of course you got the thing cranker like that. But they didn't have the cranker like that. They had this. Now imagine you're in a, a field. And you're sowing seed. Hopefully you've got good seed. And you broadcast the seed. You don't really have any control. On what particular ground that seed falls on. So now, doesn't the Bible tell us to go ye into all the world teaching? Yeah. Preaching the gospel to every creature. Where do we go? Every place we can. Where do we sow the seed? Every place that we can. Well, well, what kind of guarantee have you got that it's going to bring results? Zero. No guarantee at all. Brother Gum, how many people do you save when you preach? None. How many have I ever saved when I preach? None. I don't have that kind of power. The word is what matters, all right? So in verse 19 he says, uh, He catches the way that which was sown. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But then it turns out that it's not just enough to hear the word. Now, for, for a pastor, a preacher, it is vital that we only sow good seed. For a witness, anybody else. It is vital that we only sow good seed. Pastors don't have any business becoming jokesters. 
Do you know there's whole sets of books used to be that you could buy that alphabetically have a whole world of anecdotal tales. You ever hear a preacher preach and about every two seconds he gives you another story? He doesn't know all those stories. He hasn't experienced all those stories. He's got a good set of books. And they're alphabetically in order. So if you want a story about this, you look under the alphabet and you find a selection of stories gathered from many years and many places over anything. So when you, people, I, I used to hear this early on, some of these preachers, and boy, they, I remember one particular big evangelist, big money evangelist, and people just loved him. He was actually some kin to me. Anyway, every two minutes, he had another story to tell about human interest story or something going on. And I wondered then, where in the world does he get all them? Nobody has that kind of experience. Then I found out when I probably didn't buy the same set of books he's got. I didn't waste my money on them because I wouldn't use them. So that's not so in the word, folks. Spurgeon himself said, if you're going to give an illustration, limit that to a scriptural illustration. Now you're preaching the word. Because any spiritual teaching, any spiritual doctrine you're trying to teach, there is a, an account somewhere in the word of God that you can give that illustrates that completely. And if we do that, then we're continually teaching the word. All right, so it's not enough to just hear the word. So, well, I preached the word to them and they didn't, they didn't respond. And what's the problem? If they respond to you, they're responding wrong anyway. Look at 1 Thessalonians 1. Verse 4 to the Thessalonians. Now, I've been in Thessalonica. Were you with us when we were there? They called it Thessaloniki. And it's an old city, but they ain't got anything that goes back this far. Anyway, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Now, I don't know how anybody could deny election right there. And he's not, he's not writing to Jews, he's writing to Gentiles. Those are Gentiles in Thessalonica. He says, for, I think in the Greek that'd be called a hen of purpose clause, but because our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake but now he said we know your election because the gospel came unto you in power <laughs> the power of the Holy Ghost so hearing the word is just not enough. Say, so, well, I told them how to be saved, and they weren't saved. You, you need to understand, you don't have that much power in your word. The word of God is powerful, and it is the power of God unto salvation. 
It guarantees the salvation of no one. And I hear a lot of Armenians, all just the powers in the word. Well, the word is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing asunder, soul and spirit. But unless the word of God comes in the power of the Holy Spirit to you, it doesn't accomplish anything with reference to your salvation. Oh, it accomplishes all right. Paul said we become a savor of life to life and a savor of death unto death. And hearing the word of God makes you more responsible, but it won't make you a child of God unless it comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at James, first chapter of James. Verse 18, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. But notice, he begat us with the word of truth. The agent that he used is the word, but it was God's power that made it effective in you. All right, so. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. That would be good to keep emblazoned on our hearts. Wherefore, because of all of this, Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. There is some responsibility on your part to get yourself into shape to hear the word of God, to receive the word of God. I don't know all about this, but I know if you're going to if you're going to uh, sow grass seed on top of an already existing yard, don't you have to take those rakes, things, and scratch up the surface and all that and get it ready to receive? I think that's what he's talking about here. I don't know to what extent it is, but I believe that's what he, that's what he's talking about. That uh, responsibility of getting ready to hear the word of God. So. It's not enough just to hear the word of God. It's got to come in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I want to say that we are not responsible for the results. Not at all. Out of the 100% of the seed that was sown, 25% of it, germinated 75% of it didn't that ought to make these big timers cut back their braggadocio we got all these people saved no you didn't you haven't got anybody saved if anybody got saved it's because the Holy Spirit took the preached word and made it effective in their hearts and so when you get to there now so well that's certainly not much that's 375% nothing that's not your business that's God's business but then you compare that with what Jesus said many called few chosen He said, talked about the straight gate, the narrow narrow way, and the broad way, which leads to destruction. And he said, many go 
therein. But few there be that go in the straight, narrow way. All through the word. It never tells us that the, that the masses will be saved. During the flood, out of the whole creation, out of all of humanity, there were only eight individuals that were saved through the flood. Think about that. How many people are there in the world today? Well, now God says this world's going to be destroyed by fire. Not by flood, but by fire. Matter of fact, he said that way back when he declared destruction of the, with the flood. But he reserved the earth in store for fire. Well, so when, God's concerned about people dying. Really? Is that right? We've had a governor that said, we're going to stop this death. <laughs> <laughs> it's appointed unto man wants to die. <clears throat> said, well, that's kind of that's kind of depressing. Well, it kind of should be. The wages of sin is death. Doesn't mean somebody did something particular just to get to die right then. It means that there's sin in the universe. There's sin in the nature. Of everybody. There's no one that is not a sinner. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's the word. Now, Jeremiah, the first chapter. Jeremiah, the first chapter. Verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Now, if anybody wants to know about whether an infant conceived in the womb is a human being, well, read that. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And that's Jeremiah. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a child. Well, Moses kind of said the same thing, didn't he? But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I'm a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. And he tells Jeremiah, be not afraid of their faces. Now why should a man that's being told directly by God to go and speak my word, why should this even enter into it that people are going to get mad at you? Well, I'm just my son's just going to go preach the gospel and everybody will love him for it. No, they won't. No, they won't. But he said, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Now, Jeremiah went through some problems. I mean, they, they tried to get rid of him. They put him in a dungeon, down in the bottom of a dungeon. And he sank in the mire. So the Lord said, I'll be with you. But he was with him in the mire. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I put my words in thy mouth. So that's what he's doing with Jeremiah. Put his words in his mouth. Not his words, God's words. And see, I this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms. Now look at this. To root out, pull down, to destroy, and to throw down. To build and to plant. Oh you can't preach all that negative stuff. 
There's six things, six items there the Lord gives him. Four of them are negative. Two of them are positive. For all preaching thing negative. Really? That's not what the Lord said to Jeremiah. Anyway. Oh, that'd be acquainted. Bet that'd be kind of like getting the getting the field ready. Getting the roots out and the rocks out and chasing out the varmints and all that. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? He said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. The almond tree was the first one to bloom. And that's what the significance of. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a seething pot, and the face thereof is toward the north. And the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. A seething pot. Boiling pot. It's on us. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdom. Kingdoms of the north, said the Lord. They shall come, they shall sit everyone his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem. And against all the walls thereof round about. And against all the cities of Judah. Now what he's telling them about. Judgment out of the north is coming. It's a boiling pot. In verse 17 or 16, I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness who have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee and be not dismayed at their faces lest I confound thee before them. For behold, I've made thee this day a defense city, an iron pillar, brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, against the people of the land, and they shall fight against thee. But they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Now you go on in here in Jeremiah, and you see, they're not going to listen to Jeremiah. Ezekiel had the same problem. Why should you go preach the word to somebody that's not going to receive it? Because God commanded you to. That's why. And if it does bring forth life, it's only because God has prepared that land, that plowed up that fallow land, and done a work of grace in that heart. But we are to sow the seed. Who am I? Doesn't matter. What kind of guarantees do I have? You don't. Only guarantee you've got is that you can't do anything about it. That you can't you can't germinate it. But you must be faithful with it. And that's that's what we've got here, Richmond Road Baptist Church. So anyway, there's a parable of the sower. You got questions, comments, let me